another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, mother of dragons, queen of burnout, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And today I'm going to do a little solo cast to help you stop calling yourself lazy. That's right. You are not lazy, but we all have negative self-talk, critical inner thoughts, being a bitch to ourselves, however you want to call it. And I want to help you today confront that and give you some quick tips and tricks that should help you. But I should also note, it's going to take more than once to make this effective. I talk a little bit about this at the work of Dr. Kristen Neff when I learned about self-compassion back in 2017. I think I'm finally starting to get the hang of it, you know, like five, six years later. So here we go into today's solo cast. I'm so glad you're joining me. Changing how you talk to yourself will ultimately affect the long-term way with how you interact with yourself, with your family, with your friends, work with your work environment, with so many different factors. I have to say, before I really learned about what negative self-talk was, it was a huge motivator in my life to push me further, faster, stay up longer, go harder in athletics, go harder in med school. But really, that is a finite tool for coping. We can only be so mean to ourselves before it becomes pathologic and honestly malignant. So what I want to do is give you a new alternative that maybe you don't have to be mean to yourself to be successful. And actually, there's a lot of sports psychology behind this. Some people find it really useful whenever they're doing this kind of work to write it down. I'll be perfectly honest, I've never been someone who's been able to be a consistent journaler, but I have found those times that I do write things down, I can work it out better or I can revisit it. But most of the time, I must say, I'm a person who speaks out loud or thinks silently in my head. But I would consider having you do some journaling if you have a little bit of time writing these things down so you can revisit it. It's a super excellent tool. I mean, any time that we can take a thought, roll it around in our brain, write it down on a piece of paper using our tactile skills, and then reading it back through our optic nerves, it really helps us submit in that transformation. But like I said, you do you, boo, and I'll do me. So this critical self-talk, or what I like to call the mean girl in my life, has been a motivator in the past. But she can't stick around for too long. Because what I found is when the mean girl in my head eventually starts to become the mean girl that's coming out of my mouth. And that's not who I want to be in life. So if you haven't read the book yet, Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff, I've talked about it a million gazillion times. I've even had her as a guest here on the podcast. I would highly encourage you to do it. It's a quick, easy read. She also has a really great website called self-compassion.org. And she's got a lot of free stuff there as well, if you don't want to read the book. But Anyway, getting back to this negative self-talk, because I think that's the first step that you really have to account for when you start giving yourself compassion. And this first step is awareness. It is not just changing the way you treat yourself, but actually noticing when you're being self-critical. And for many of us, that self-critical voice has been so common that we don't even notice when it's present. So one of the exercises that I encourage you to do 
is keep a post-it note, keep a index card, maybe open a text thread on your phone. But for one whole day, I want you to write down all the thoughts that roll through your head. Even if you think that they're somewhat positive or neutral, it doesn't just have to be the negative thoughts either. Give it a few days and then go back and read through those thoughts. Because in the moment, sometimes we don't even pick up on the toxicity that our brain is spewing out at us. The other thing I want you to think about too is to definitely write down those times when you're emotional. I get super emotional when I get tired or I get hangry. (laughs) So that tends to be when I'm the most vicious upon myself. So writing those things down too, not in a manner that's like OCD and going crazy, like go ahead and feed yourself and go to sleep at night. But those can also be some times and places where you can see where your brain is really going into overdrive and the negative self-talk is really picking up. And what I want you to do is try to be as accurate as possible when you're noting this inner self-talk. I mean, really think about what are the words that you actually use when you're self-critical? Are there key phrases that come up over and over again? And that's why I named this podcast, Stop Calling Yourself Lazy. That's one for me that comes up repetitively, that I am being lazy. God, you're so lazy. Ugh, there you are again, laying down again. You're being lazy. You see what I mean? It's a thread of my own life. Maybe for you, it's calling yourself stupid. Maybe it's talking about your looks. Maybe it's not knowing enough. But pick up on those phrases that come up over and over again. I also want you to pay attention to the tone of the voice. I call mine my whiny teenager because a lot of times she's either a total bitch, which I mentioned before about being lazy, or she's this whiny teenager like, why do I have to do this? This is so stupid. Why is this meeting not getting over with? You know what I mean? So really paying attention to that tone. And yes, I have a couple critical self-voices. I promise I'm not schizophrenic though. (laughs) Note the tone of those voices. And then the last question I want you to think about as you're thinking about the awareness of this is what does this voice remind you of in your past? Is it someone who has been critical of you? Is it maybe your past self who is coming back up and being critical? So my two are definitely prepubescent junior high Erin, that whiny girl, and super bitch. That's like after I've been on call like for four or five days in a row. She, Those are my two that come up a lot. But I've also noted that sometimes that voice and those phrases that come up again are not things that I've said to myself, but what other people have said to me. For instances, there's a mean one that comes up from my mother a lot of the time. There's another mean one that comes up from a extended family member. And so it's really important to not just notice the voice or voices, not just notice what's being said, but the quality of it and maybe where it's coming from. It's super interesting when you start to dive into that because as you pick this apart, you can then start to give yourself compassion around that. So that's step number one, awareness and all those questions that go along with it. All right, step number two is to make an active effort to soften this voice. It's what I like to call the kind mental karate chop. Ha! So it's when you are on a tangent about like, God, I should get out of bed. I don't feel good. Maybe I should call in today. No, I got to get up because I got to go full schedule. And the kids got the stuff after school. That's when I have to give myself a ha mental karate chap of like, 
you are doing great. (laughs) You are doing the best you can. Whatever that mental karate chop is that kind of helps like shock you a little bit out of that, having some kind of mantra or, or something that you can say really helps me to kind of soften that critical voice because sometimes I can't just hold it and be like, oh, you know, you're worried. No, I like literally need a shock tactic for me. But another way, like I mentioned, to like soften that critical voice instead of shouting back at it, like you are being a total B instead is to say, okay, inner voice, I know you're worried about me and you're feeling uncertain, but you're causing me more anxiety. Could we try to be more self-compassionate with our words? Something like that. You can try something like that. I prefer the karate chop, but maybe you like the the soothing voice as well. So that's number two, softening the voice using those tactics. All right. Number three is reframing that inner critic or that harsh voice that's inside your head into a more positive way. One of the best things that I can do that helps me is to borrow a voice that's somebody that knows me and loves me and trusts me. So maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a therapist or a coach or a colleague, a mentor, a family member, remembering their voice and thinking, what would they tell me in this situation? And really visualizing hearing their voice in your head can be super, super helpful. I have so many endearing thoughts from my grandmother who passed a little over a year ago. And I still to this day can think of situations that we have talked through and what her responses were to me. And so I borrow her voice a lot of times. There's mentors from 20 years ago, even before that in junior high from 30 years ago, who I still remember those things that they said to me. And I treasure those things. So bringing that voice back up. Maybe it's a coach from the past. I can think of several athletic coaches who had some great things to say to me. But borrowing that voice, borrowing their confidence in you, borrowing the courage that they have and replaying it in your head whenever you're dealing with some negative self-talk can be super, super helpful. The other thing that I want you to do when you're reframing here in step three is actually physical touch. So... That can come in a lot of different ways. One great way to physically uh, stimulate your body is taking big breaths in and big breaths out. You can listen to any meditation, yoga, any podcast, app, YouTube video, and get helps with breathing exercises. But when we're doing that, we're actually stimulating our vagus nerve, which you know, if you're a DO or an MD who's super interested in autonomic and parasympathetic, sympathetic tone and all that kind of stuff is that by stimulating the vagus nerve, you really turn on parasympathetics. And by doing that, you can activate biochemistry within your peripheral and central nervous system. The other thing we know with physical touch is whenever we do a gesture that has uh, some positive thought reinforcement behind it, like a hug or a pat on the back or a grandmother who always used to touch your face, something like that, it brings up those memories and it actually helps your brain release oxytocin, which we all know is the happy hormone. So what I like to do in these circumstances, I mean, I guess I could give myself a big hug. I just like to place my hand on my sternum and take a big breath. And what that reminds me is just like hand on my heart, remembering to breathe. And it just brings a warm sensation through my body. It's kind of a great biohack, I'm not going to lie, that in the moment when things are super self-critical, you can actually use your body for you. 
So those two things in step three to remember is borrow someone else's voice and use physical touch and deep breathing to help yourself. I've got two other things that you can try. So I guess I would call this 3B other ways that you can help yourself is with a mood elevator, not a mood stabilizer. A mood elevator. And so for me, whenever these negative self-talks, critical thoughts are racing through my brain, here's the things that really help me out. Getting into nature, even if it's just stepping outside for a couple minutes, making sure that I'm hydrated and had food and nutrition recently, some sort of movement, music always helps, a hug, Connection with friend and family, like a quick touch as far as like just sending a simple text out in that moment or petting my lovely Pocahontas pup. Those are ways that help me that help elevate my mood and kind of reset my system. I want you to think of a list for you. What are things that kind of help you with your mood elevation that can help you reset? And then 3C on other things that can help you, um, kind of going along with the mood elevation, but they are change the scenery, schedule it, and delegate it. So let me rewind a little bit. Whenever these negative thoughts, you know, sometimes you can do a pattern interrupter with, you know, asking the questions, being aware of it, softening, borrowing a voice, physical touch, moving, you know, getting a mood elevator in there. But sometimes it just doesn't work. Are you with me on that? Like you can do all the things and it doesn't matter. Your brain just won't shut off. So these three are tips for when you just can't get it to shut off. Changing the scenery, scenery, literally moving from the place that you're at to somewhere else. For me, that's sometimes jumping in the car and just going for a drive. Just a change in scenery helps to flip my brain patterns. Two on this list is scheduling it. If you're in the middle of a busy clinic day or you're on the floors or maybe you're at home even and it's just too busy to have the time to sit down and journal and do 20-minute meditation or an hour-long yoga, what you can tell yourself whenever these thoughts are playing up in your head is like, no, this is not your time right now, but I am going to schedule it and we are going to come back and deal with this. So actually putting it on your calendar and making time and space to work through these critical thoughts. And then the third thing is delegate it. Like I mentioned back in step one, so many times that voice that's playing in our head isn't ours. Or those key words that keep playing in our head, maybe in our own voice, are were words that were given to us or thrown at us or used to harm us in the past. And when I say redelegate it, that's simply saying and reminding ourselves that this is not mine to hold. This is someone else's, and I am no longer going to use this as a weapon against myself. Of course, this doesn't work the first time you do it, and it doesn't work the 50th time you do it. But eventually, as you start letting go of it and reminding yourself like, oh, yep, that was that comment that mom gave me like 25 years ago, then you start to let it go, and it starts to soften, and it doesn't have the barbs, and it doesn't dig in as much as it used to. friend, if you think you're burned out, you probably are. 
But I've got some good news for you. Head on over to burntouttobadass.com where you can get a CME course. That's right, CME credits. Kick it yourself out of a place of burnout and back to being a total and absolute badass. You'll go through 12 different modules. You'll get to chitty chat with me on the backside and have lots of fun exercises and thought work to do to help you move from a place of just surviving to absolute thriving. So far, we've had many physicians go through the program, and they absolutely love it. One of those docs the other day even mentioned to me that she went back and recently did the report card exercise. And you know the wheel of life is in there. If you followed me for half a second, it's definitely one of my top exercises. But anyway, before I give all the details away, go over to BurntOutToBadass.com and check out the self-paced course, same title, Burnt Out to Badass, and get you some CME hours today. Those are my tips to help you stop calling yourself lazy, stupid, a bitch, whatever those words are. Try them. Let me know if it works for you. Drop me an email. I'd love to hear if you've got even more tips that help you out. As always, friends, thanks so much for joining me here on Dr. Me First. If you need more connection in your life, head over to Aaron Wiseman's Badass Slack group. We talk about this and a lot more things. Also, you can always join me at a free masterclass at the end of each month. All right. With that being said, it's great to hang with you today. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See ya. Heavy lids One, two, three, four You've got something to ignore